Thank God. Verse. 
verse is so weird now that I got my glasses on, move to the 21st verse. <laughs> and he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? And what Jesus is teaching him, that then at this point, remember that parables are told in a mystery because it's for us to understand the Lord. And some of them, many of them, still were scratching their heads like some people today and saying, what does that mean? The gospel is not to be enjoyed privately. Once you are lit by Jesus, you are to share that gospel with someone else. That's the purpose. If you've been set free, then the Holy Spirit is urging you, share that with somebody else. Move on down to the parable of the seed. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise at night and day, and the seed should spring and grow, but he knows not how, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade in the ear, and after that the full ear of corn. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest is come. That he's referring to, the age that we are living in, where the word has been fulfilled and it's time for Jesus to return and take his, that is when the sickle is put to the harvest, when we will be raptured into heaven. And then the next one is the parable of the mustard seed, verse 30. He said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison should we compare it? It is like a giant, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that it be in the earth. Okay, so most of our staff was at training yesterday. We had seeds put on our table to talk about the different seeds. And the smallest seed there in that training was, a, who remembers? Uh, lavender. lavender seed. You paid attention even when you said you were bored. Good job. <laughs> Smaller than that is mustard seed. I am familiar with this. Growing up in California, back in the day when the uh, Spaniards conquered and were ruling the area that is known as the state of California, the Padres came and they brought the mustard seed with them. And it is a highly invasive plant. Once it gets in the ground, and the wind picks it, the birds of the air scatter it, it grows everywhere. Now, if my kids, if you don't remember, it's that tiny yellow flower, bushy thing that covers the ground on the hills and all over, a mustard seed. And that's what Jesus is saying, when the word is sown, it starts covering everything in its path. It is so invasive that they haven't even found a way to eradicate it in the day and age we live in, in California. The best they can do is send goats into the hills and have them eat it up because they don't know how to stop it from growing into places they don't want it to grow in. And he was saying that's how the word of God will be until it covers the earth. But there's a warning in here. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So, even though this has happened, and we're seeing this in the year 2020, when the gospel has been carried all over the extremes of the earth, and I've been to every continent except for Antarctica, what else? Oh, I've been to North America, so yes. What's uh, <laughs> the South Pole? So the major continents I've been to. Oh, Australia. That's the one I have not been to in the North. <laughs> and wherever I have gone, I did not just take the gospel to new people. There was evidence of the gospel already there. When... I 
went to Asia, this warmed my heart because let me tell you something, culture can get pathology into it just like a person can get pathology and cause a disease. And there is thinking that is in, and there even, okay, and to show that I'm not saying there's, this is from just a white point of view, one of the things that got into white culture, Christianity, is women were limited to how they could be used in ministry. That's pathology that got into the white church, <coughs> the church, especially white. In Asia, that was prevalent too. When I was called to teach in the Bible uh, college there in Kathmandu, I was teaching students who were graduating and ready to go on to the, uh, to the master's program or whatever they were doing with their lives. And I'm in contact with one who is graduated. He's graduating in June from University of Korea with his master's and he was ordained this month. And he says, I wanna come uh, to see you because I helped him with his English and he was able to pass his English uh, proficiency exam to get into university in Korea. Why they require it, I don't know, but that's how it is. Okay. But in that culture, it was very limited in their culture to allow women to have positions. But while I was there, you see a whole generation I impacted, and he said, I want to come to your church. You are my mentor. There's a new generation that's been set free from that. And not only that generation, a minister came up to me after I had spoken. He said, I need you to come back and come to my church. The women in my church feel limited because of our culture of what they can do for the Lord. They need to see you and hear you. Isn't that great? How God can take pathology in a culture and set it free. Now, that was somebody near my age that is not limited to that way of thinking, but the Holy Spirit has expanded them to the truth of this. But what it's saying here, when it says that the fowls of the earth may lodge under the shadow of it. So even though we see Christianity that is spread all around the world, I've been to Africa, South America, Asia, <coughs> Europe, underneath the mustard seed it said were areas for the fowls of the air to get in and lodge. That's a picture of Satan that he creeps in even into religious institutions and causes harmful thinking, harmful doctrines, and tries to pollute the word of God. So Jesus is telling us this has happened. Every time I hear something about corruption that happened in a church locally or abroad, people just say, Oh, isn't that terrible? Can you believe it? I can believe it because Jesus said that's exactly what happened. If we learn from the parables, we're prepared to handle the things in life that are happening because Jesus already told us, look, I'm just giving you a heads up. This is the reality of the world you're living with, and I want you to be prepared for it so you're not taken aback when you see these things happening. You get it? So how many knows there's going to be corruption in the church? My Aunt Edna, her favorite saying, oh, we all going to hell if we don't get out of these churches. That was my aunt. Unless there's abuse, we don't get out of marriages. Um, we stay and we of finding the same with the church. We stay and we try to address the problems that we're dealing with. So we come down and with many such parables spoke, he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without parable he spoke not unto them. And when they were alone he expounded all things to disciples. That's what we're doing. He wants us to understand the words he spoke.
of a, I spoke on Jesus still the storm. All that led up to this in preparation. And there were disciples that went with Jesus in the boat. There were so many disciples, followers, extra men and women. They had to have another boat go along beside him. Matthew didn't say that. Mark says that. He gives a picture of these people following him when the storm arose. Look at God. And there was something happened. They were present with the Lord, but they weren't in his presence. I want you to think about that. He was right there with them. He had been teaching them, preparing them. But when the storm came, they were so afraid and they verbalized it. Jesus, don't you even care what happens to us? Why would he be preparing them for a future if he didn't care about them? They were in his, they were present with him, but they were not in his presence. That is what the Lord wants us to be able to be at this point in this series, is to understand. I might come to church, but I may not be in the presence of the Lord. I might be a Christian family, but I may not be in the presence of the Lord. How do we become in his presence? I was grieved when I saw a Facebook page. Don't you wish Jesus could just come sit down beside you and give you instruction? There's an example of he did it, but I want to tell you, he does do it. He gives us instruction when we're in his presence. Nothing that I have accomplished in my life has been without the presence of God. It was his presence that gave me the idea, his presence that gave me the plan on how to carry it out. But let me tell you, I never got a letter hand-delivered that says, here's how you do it, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, with all the points. It was, do this. Good, now step here. Good. And faith required me to keep walking in the direction where I believed the Holy Spirit was leading me. Now, if you got a more divine revelation, good for you. I didn't get it that way. Most of us have to seek his presence. Turn back to Exodus 33 and 7. Joshua had been with Moses. He had seen the parting of the Red Sea. He had seen him strike the rock and water fall out of it. He had seen manna come from heaven. He had experienced the miracles that were happening to the children of Israel. But Joshua was not content with just being an observer of those things he had seen the Lord do. Moses, as their leader, had to have a system to be in the presence of God. Brooke will tell you her position in the office as director. Many different staff will call on her all day for help, assistance, and direction. Outside agencies are calling you for assistance or giving you direction or whatever. Her job requires a lot of input and output. At some point, she has to know how to take care of herself and shut everything down so that she is emotionally equipped to do the job. She is training, mentoring a new director who has not mastered that. Who, because you know what new directors want to do? 
They want to take care of everything, and they don't realize their human uh, limitations for those. Brooke is in a very natural way, mentoring her and helping her with that. Moses, in this, let's read it together. Now Moses just, I'm reading on this, the NIV, just because it's lengthy and this is a simpler way. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. What does just stop there? Because I think that's profoundly important. Where you meet the Lord is away from everyone else. There is no distraction. I know a lot of people come to church with the expectation, I'm really going to get something from the Lord. Well, you are. You're hearing it right now. This is the letter Lord, the Lord gave us to help us, to guide us, to lead us. And I support the Holy Spirit working supernaturally. Sometimes you see me do that with the Word. Sometimes you see our guest uh, evangelists do that, working supernaturally by the power of the Holy Ghost. It is not all about that. We do not come and ready to receive or get something. We need to know that we have had a time in our daily lives that we moved away from everything that is ordinary and came to a place where we had a time for just me and the Lord. See, we're always in his presence, but we need to move to a place where we're aware of his presence. And just living our daily lives can sometimes rob our minds and let we train our minds. You have two little babies that are yelling to have their needs met, which is normal for anybody under five. It's hard to have to be in the presence of the Lord because somebody is demanding something you and uh, depending on their age you have to give it to them so I'm telling you this is important whenever Moses went out to the tent all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent as Moses went into the tent the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance so everybody witnessed it. They knew Moses was in the presence of the Lord because they had visually able to see that pillar that represented the Holy Spirit come and cover that area. We don't have to have the outward experience anymore because we have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And when we have his presence, he is also on us. He is on us, and in his presence, he is on us. Whenever the, um, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man would speak with his friend. You hear that? That's what I hear people say. If only the Lord would just talk to me like me in person. If he did it with Moses, how much power, because we have his Holy Spirit living in us, is he able to do that? Sometimes when I am not sleeping at night, it's not because I have a sleep disorder. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me profoundly, and he's giving me instructions. Sometimes... And a lot of times it's words for other people that they need to hear because they need to hear, they need an outward confirmation of what the Lord is dealing with them internally. And it gives us a, a great 
uh, consolation and confirmation of, yes, Lord, I hear you. And yes, Lord, I know it's you because it was confirmed by you speaking to somebody else who did not even know what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Charlton's will tell you anything, but a true person who is acting in a gift of prophecy will tell you something that you already have going on in your heart. It's not some wild thing on the outside that they can just speak. Your spirit will already have been dealing with that with you. When they saw the cloud, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. Oh, they were bringing that into their realm, into their family. We see our leader, what he's doing. The Holy Spirit here is moving. God is amongst us. We're going to worship him right now, too. Did they do it in the sanctuary? No. no. Where'd they do it? In their homes. Your Christianity is more than an hour on Sunday. It's what you live every day of the week. I like this. And Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua had come to the realization, Lord, I know you spoke to Moses. Lord, I know you poured into him, but that is not satisfactory to me. Lord, I want your presence for me. And that needs to be the cry of the church today. Lord, we're not just looking for leaders that are filled with your presence. Lord, I want to stay till I have your presence, till you can walk and talk with me. That's why this song was written, I come to the garden alone. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. What good theology in a song over a hundred years old that we can still learn from. And we want that. And we seek that. Because Joshua, I don't believe he had any clue at that time of how God was going to raise him up. Yes, he was an intern to Moses, but I don't think he had a prophetic picture of everything that he was going to face as a, as a servant, as a leader. I think he was just willing, and he was saying, God, I need you, and I need you with me, and I need your presence, because let me tell you, if we don't have the presence of God, we revert back to things of the world, habits that we got to make us feel filled up, to make us feel full, to make us feel satisfied, and those things never met our needs, and they won't meet our needs today or in the future for us. And if you don't know what those are, those could be drugs or alcohol for some people. It could be relationships for some people. It could be money, status, power for some people. None of those things will help you like the presence of God. Because even though Joshua had seen the great feats that had happened with his leader Moses, he was preparing even unwittingly for everything that God was going to do through him. And when they sent the 12 spies, Joshua had been in the presence of the Lord. Ten others had said, don't do it. There's giants. They're huge. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. Caleb, his African friend, adopted into the tribe of Israel. That's another study, another black man in the early uh, in the Old Covenant that we're not taught their ethnicity. It's important because you want to know your people are from the beginning. Everybody's here. Caleb 
because the Spirit of the Lord is with us and it will not be an issue in overtaking and overpowering. But what can happen when Satan gets under those branches, under those hollows of the mustard seed and brings corruption in the church in an unhealthy way instead of apostolic leadership will say, let's take a vote. Don't make us go into that land. Oh, we know the riches there. We know we're, we're just slaves for the used to eating garlic and onions. That's okay with us. We're not ready to receive the bounty that the Lord has for us. Grapes the size of plums. That, that sounds good, but you know we, we, we don't need that. We're not used to that. We're cold people. We, we can live. We live this way to be all right. Caleb and Joshua say, no, God wants to bless us with these wonderful things. The ten tribes said, nay. And Moses, instead of taking his position of authority and leadership, listened to the vote of ten and said, we won't go now. You know what the result of that was? The same as the result of the people of a lack of faith today. They couldn't experience the blessings of the Lord. Moses could not go into the promised land because he did not have the faith of that. The people would be behind him. The Lord would be behind him. He had not followed. He walked by faith even though he had been in the presence of the Lord. See, the presence of the Lord is more, more than showing you something. The presence of the Lord empowers you to do it. And you have to be brave to follow the leading of the Lord and block out the voices if it's in your family, if it's in your community, if it's in your politics, I don't care what it is. Our allegiance is to the presence of the Lord. And he will never tell you something that does not line up with his word. So you don't have to worry. If it sounds crazy, say, Lord, show me in your word because I'm feeling a little crazy. I read the wonderful story of, I, I, I'm fascinated with uh, the royal family of England because I've studied uh, the 12 tribes and where they went throughout the earth and their legacy from that started back here. And uh, Trey is his nickname. He is Robert Harry, Harry Robert. And they were thinking of names and I said, oh, I, I wanted to call him Harry. Because Prince Harry, it's a royal name, I, and, and he's popular right now, and I, I just, I think that's so cute, but you know, they get to choose because they're the parents, and I only get to express my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll call whatever you choose, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do what you want with your child. <laughs> but with the controversy of what's happening with Prince Harry right now, I was reading about his father, Prince Philip, and... He came from a royal from the royal family in his own right. He just didn't marry into it. His mother and his father were very spiritual people. His father felt his job was to spread the message of Jesus Christ. And you know what other royals thought about him? He's crazy. <coughs> because they didn't understand. Truth. They don't even understand to an extent their whole history and legacy. But his wife, Prince Philip's mother, had a greater calling on her life than living in a castle and keeping it to herself. They were the prince and princess of Greece before it, before the monarchy fell there. She brought in. Jewish people into her palace and hid them. She was also deaf. She was so smart by age seven, she could read lips in three different languages despite her deafness. Isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. She knew she had a calling on her life. And she said, this is wrong. What's happening? 
And when the Nazis came into Greece, she was hiding, hiding people of the Jewish faith. And when they would tell her, we want to search your house, she'd just say, I'm deaf, I, I, okay. Fake like she couldn't understand, even though she was mastered in that lip reading of the German language. And she saved people from their terrible deaths by the Nazis. Isn't that a legacy? Something we don't hear about. Yes. I think somehow she knew where she came from. And she knew that her life was appointed not because of pomp and circumstances, but because she had a relationship. She had been in the presence. You don't put your life at risk until you've been in the presence of God. And then you know, no matter what happens, if I close my eyes today, Lord, because I'm captured, I am confident it is a moment and I wake up in heaven with you. That is what the presence of God, it will bring boldness to your life that you have no fear of what's going on here. Joshua sought that. He sang several songs that are popular. Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, it's more than something we sing on Sunday morning. This is something we get up in the morning and we welcome the Holy Spirit before we lay our head down to sleep. We welcome Holy Spirit because I know there is teaching against this from some people in the world today. But your spirit doesn't sleep. Your soul does not sleep. Only your body, your physical body, takes a rest at night. Your spirit is awake. It can still receive from God. And he can give you some things. I was at training, and my brothers texted me. I had this dream. What do you think? I said, tell me the whole dream. He goes, that was it. I go, oh, okay, that's simple. He opened his dishwasher. All the dishes were clean, and his Bible was in there, and it was all clean from being ran in the dishwasher. If you've ever grown up with my mother, there's not a, a, a cup or a dish that's left out. It goes, she washes it, then she puts it in the dishwasher, and then she runs it. <laughs> She's a double sanitizer. I don't know why, but that's how mom does it. Anybody's lived with grandma, say amen. You know that's true. Amen. So that my brother would have this dream, I just laughed because I know who he was raised with. But the point that his Bible was in there, I said, Larry, whatever theology, because he went to school of Bible theology, not a bad one, I'm not saying that. Whatever doctrine you were raised with, the word has been clean and the things that are serving you the word of God are now sanitized and pure and you're receiving at a level that's not uh, 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 polluted or made dirty by the things errors of that you were raised in he goes oh wow that's it thank you now that was during the boring fairy lady and I can still listen to her and tell you what said tell my brother his dream mm -hmm. I'm driving her from uh, 
rust and back to school here in the mornings. And she's telling me about her classes. And she was saying she's so passionate about it. And she said it was really hard to learn about child abuse. The teacher even came over and told me, I can tell by the look on your face you haven't heard about this. And I'm sorry, it's part of the training I have to teach you about. And she said those poor orphans that are raised in orphanages and they're never touched. And they uh, just on and on about what she was learning. That thrills me to know that somebody is passionate. She wants, when she graduates from high school, she'll be eligible to have a paid position with us. That's wonderful, because she's being raised up to serve the Lord, not just to be a teacher, but to a teacher and, and to teach children from a biblical point of view, not a world point of view.
what capitalism teaches us? Get a degree, seek these uh, status jobs, and you can have all these things. There's a lot of people downtown LA, Skid Row, who followed that route. The things in fear, and now they're living like rats. You don't even have to go to Los Angeles. You want to go to Dallas, you want to go to Houston, any big city you can see in. See ye first the kingdom of God. See his presence daily in your life, and you will see a difference in the life you are living. Bishop Nelson. Thank you, Pastor, for that beautiful lesson. And it was sure certainly appropriate for today. We all know that. Our president has been having problems, but we also know that he has been very successful. And someone said, I wonder how he did it. He came to Washington saying, I want to drain the swamp. I want to get rid of the lawlessness that, that's there and put righteousness back into it. Someone said, well, how's he going to do it? I watched him a week ago go to a great Mexican Latino When he stood on a platform and the Latino pastors said, may we pray for you while you're here? And he said, yes. He had tongue-talking, Bible-believing, ministers praying and speaking for in tongues on national on world TV and they laid his hands on him. The black church says, would you come to us and 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 just uh, come and speak at our church. He went to the church. The Church of God in Christ. One of the it is the biggest black denomination in the world. After he had spoke, after he had spoken, they asked him, may we pray for you? They laid Holy Ghost hands on him and prayed for our president. And as they were praying, some of them even spoke in tongues. She told us this morning, for Moses to get to meet the Lord, he had to get out of the camp. When someone says to you, if they do, you know, our presidents are crazy. He's defied every custom we had. He he don't want to come to the house. He don't want to come to the Senate. He don't want to come to this. He don't want to Republic. No, he wants to get out of the camp. And he wants to have Holy Ghost filled people lay their hands on him and pray for him. Is it all right that I said this? <laughs> he got out of the camp. It cost him dearly. I looked at him through this impeachment thing or looked after him and I thought, why doesn't he get up and say something? But I've noticed every time a charge is brought against him, it looks like the end. And after the devil has had his time, all of a sudden the truth comes out. Someone said, in fact, I asked my son Larry, I said, Larry, how does it always work out that it seems like he knows something nobody else does. You know what, he, his advisors told him, get rid of the, uh, the uh, council, get rid of the, the ones that's trying to, uh, uh, to uh, evict you. And he said, leave alone, leave alone. And when they finished a three-year investigation of him, it came out he was innocent. How does that happen? My God, he not only went to the meetings that these Pentecostals had, he invited them into his office. And I loved it when I saw the, I listened to Pastor Jefferson, one of the most prominent Baptist preachers in, uh, the, in the United States and the pastors in Dallas. I heard him say, they asked him, says, well, how about his language? How about our language? It's like 
this little girl here is two years old. Of course, you can tell she's bright because uh, she come from a Mosley. <laughs> she said the poo-poo word the other day, but it was the real thing. <laughs> they asked her later what she said, and she knew she shouldn't have. She made up another word and said that's what she said. <laughs> that's why our president has to get out of the cap. We all have that nature in us, from the littlest to the largest. But he not only went out of the camp, he invited the camp participants to come into the office and they laid his hands on them and they spoke in tongues as they prayed. And I believe that, and I know that by the word that God will keep his word and those that will trust in the Lord and turn to him with all their might they'll be saved and they'll be blessed. First president in history that said was invited to go to the uh, walk for against abortion. First president in history that had the fortitude to say thank you for the invitation. I will come. I'll tell you. They can say what they want to, but I firmly believe Pastors, a thing that has given them this ability is those Holy Ghost filled men and women. This pastor is a Pentecostal woman. But those people that have laid their hands on him and, uh, and invited the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him and be with him and strengthen him, that's where the power is coming from. You won't hear it probably anywhere else, but I want you to know right now. <clears throat> what Jeffrey said, I didn't, I got sidetracked with my granddaughter, but what Jeffrey said when they, the man asked him, don't you, don't, you don't like this about him. You know what Jeffrey said? He said, I love the president and I love everything he's doing. What a difference in the world today. What caused that? We seen a man that came out of the cab. Boom. Father, we're so thankful that you still are in control of our lives. You have a destiny that we are to be in, be in and you're bringing us to that place. And we're asking you, Lord, to bless our president and our leaders in the world today. Let them know that you are still in charge and you still have made the world and you're still taking care of it. You're not going to let us be lost or be, uh, be problems that can't be solved. <coughs> and we thank and praise you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.